the Spurs News Podcast, your home for all things Tottenham Hotspur. Now, here are your hosts. Hello everybody and welcome to a new episode of the Spurs News Podcast. I am Sam, joining me this week in that weird limbo between Christmas and New Year, it's Matt. Yeah, that is that weird limbo and like before we started recording, you've kind of mixed it up a little bit, haven't you, by recording oh, in a different room. Mate, and that's this, probably adding, is... adding to your limbo, isn't it? Oh, this is a very <laughs> bizarre thing for me. I, I always record in the same place. I've got a desk set up, my PC, my mic and everything's there, I'm... That's my, you know, that's my zone. That's where I go. And then today, the PC would not switch on. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know what's going on with that. That was weird. Um, I, I was kind of going through all these things in my mind of like, oh no, what's going on? What's going on? Like, I, I'm going to try and check just the fuse in the plug. <laughs> it will <laughs> but, be something simple like that. Yeah, it really when will. I have time. But uh, So, yes, I am on location today. I've uh, <laughs> got the laptop and I have... Decided to record from the Spurs New Studio, also known as my living room. <laughs> so yeah, it's very different for me. It's very odd. Uh, I, my, uh, I got like I live in like a small cottage, so basically my living room is a window, literally looks straight out into like the path out the front. And if I got like deliveries or anything like that, I see them walk past the window. So I'm, I've got this image this morning of basically being sat here with this microphone, this headset on, sat next to my laptop. And someone doing a delivery peering through the window thinking, bloody hell, who the hell does he think he is? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so yeah, this is very bizarre. You're really setting a scene here, Sam. I almost I like, like, if I I can, like to paint a picture, yes. Yeah, paint a picture. I, if I can sort of imagine it in my mind, I, mm. I'd imagine you live in a little village like, you know, Postman Pat. That kind of village. <laughs> yeah, know, is, is, yeah, there you cobbled, go, yeah. Have you got cobbled stones out there and the postman no, gives you a little not... wave as he goes past the window? And... Well, yes, yes, the postman does give a wave as he goes past the window, normally pointing to where he's left the parcel. And oh, then, right, you know, okay. A thumbs up and a kind of get-it-yourself, you lazy bastard <laughs> way, yeah. Um, the, the best thing is, like, before Christmas, and obviously parcels were arriving left, right, and centre. And the thing that I enjoy the most is that my delivery guy, the postman, kind of begins this festive season with a real spring in his step of like oh i'm busier this is great and by the time it gets like christmas eve the guy looks like if he sees one more parcel coming to my house he's actually going to kill me yeah do you, do you know what thinking of that it, it that's my way of uh, dealing with elf on the shelf you know mm-hmm. to start with we've got all these really cool ideas by the 24th i'm like i, I, I if, if these things were alive i would have strangled them by now yeah i, I honestly don't see I was kind of lucky, I think. My my daughter was a little bit older when that became a real thing. And so I kind of looked at it and thought, you know what, I don't want to start it now. No. It killed um, every line that I had in December. Yeah, I, I just... I, I don't know. I don't know where that came from, but whoever invented that deserves a slap. Yeah, I completely I mean, agree. Because it's like, you, you come up... And it is a genuine thing. Like, every parent goes, oh, that'd be fun. That'd yeah. be nice. But everyone I see, like my Facebook social media, by about the tenth. Yes, yes. <laughs> They're like, I have got no. I uh, seriously, I'm gonna. My favorite one is a few of my friends put them in quarantine for coming back of a COVID test. Oh, why didn't I do and, that? And like basically bought ten days oh, of them man. just being sat in a tub. I didn't think of that. Do you know? <laughs> so basically, all they did was they had an upturned plastic tub, the elf in it, and they just changed day ten of quarantine, day nine, <laughs> day eight, and they did that for ten days. I thought that was genius. Oh, that. Really 
really is. Honestly, the amount of days I'll, I'll be standing because like Layla normally wakes up about half seven, so I'll be Ooh. standing downstairs at about six o'clock, lying completely gone that I could have had, just scratching yeah. my head, thinking, "What the freaking hell am I going to do with these elves today?" Oh, and and it, honestly, that that was my whole December, I think, until the twenty fourth. <laughs> certainly how it feels. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh no, Christmas is done. That means no more elves. Yes, exactly. That's 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 the thing. Like, as an adult now, especially with kids. Like, mm. you know, I used to look forward to Christmas for presents, but now yeah. I just look forward to just getting rid of those those elves. That's that's that is yeah. my Christmas Day joy. My... <laughs> <laughs> what do you like most about Christmas Day? The dinner, the food, the laughter, the kids opening presents, no. putting those elves back those elves. in the damn yeah. box. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Yeah, I, I imagine a few people are relating to that right now. Um, but yeah, so I, I wrote out a little bit of a kind of a schedule for today. A little bit of kind of let's uh, let's do talky talky about football. Um, we've actually got a couple of games, uh, so let's open up with the Crystal Palace game. Uh, well, actually, just before we dive into the games, I'd love to get your opinion on this because it's something that gets discussed in football every year and has got discussed in football every year since i can remember discussing football and that's the christmas schedule in england where you know you typically have two games in three days because of boxing day of 28th and it's something that as a fan I've, I've always absolutely loved the christmas football schedule i think it's wonderful I think Premier League clubs are rich enough that they should have squads and things that are more than capable of doing it. The schedule's the same every year. However, this year, possibly with COVID uh, playing a factor as well, we've seen an inordinate amount of whinging coming from some some coaches whose name rhymes with plop. <laughs> What's your thoughts on it, mate? Yeah, I, I, I think that the proof is in the pudding. And, you, and look, you look at the bigger clubs and mm. I, look, I'm... I put us in the bracket of the bigger clubs. You can't see me doing the air quotes, you know. But you know, <laughs> if you, if you look at the results, that maybe not the first, the, the results of the last couple of days. So the, so the results of games a couple of days after the uh, uh, the, the first game was played on Boxing Day. Yeah. And there's weird ones, isn't there? Like Liverpool losing to Leicester. You know, most Salah yeah. missing a penalty. Chelsea drawing with Brighton yesterday. You know, the, the, yeah. it's, it's um it's good for the sm- like you know it's good for the smaller clubs. Like you know they're getting good results, but it just shows that. Um, it's you know it's it's too short of a window I think for like if if the players were f- like if the Liverpool players or arguably if we were fit enough against Southampton and and, and the Chelsea players were fit enough then mm. the results would have gone the way you'd expected to have gone you know so yeah I I, I think it, from a from a fitness point of view and uh, from the players point of view and the managers obviously like you say with Klopp. I don't think it's right. I think it's too. It's too close together. There's, there's no. They've obviously. There's, there's a reason why the fixtures uh, happen like normally once a week with the with the mid with midweek game. You don't get. You know, the season doesn't last six, five months, does it? We don't get a game every two or three days because the players can't. They need recovery time, don't they? Yeah, no, I, I'd, I'd agree with that, and um, and I, I do, I do know what you're saying with it, but I mean, the, the, my kind of point of view and my thinking in it, thinking on it is. That you see these teams that that have had a struggle the last few days, and they seem to be the same teams whose coaches have come out in the press and have condemned it, saying it's bad, it's bad, and the clubs that have embraced it and have got on with it have managed to pick up results because, like you say about the bigger teams and and the lesser the lesser teams still played, you know they had the same schedule, so 
you know, the fatigue factor works for both clubs. You know, it's a level playing field. And I do know because of COVID, some teams had sort of time off. But look at Man United, who had, I think someone said, like 16 days off before their game. And they ended up drawing. And to be honest with you, really should have lost that game. So, you know, fatigue factor cannot be blamed on that. I personally wonder if it's a kind of a mental thing. If your boss, your manager saying, this is stupid, we shouldn't be doing this your brain starts to think this is stupid, we shouldn't be doing this. And and you kind of go into it a little bit not quite as focused as perhaps you normally would be. Yeah, that, that, that could be an element. And as you know, you know, we, and I discuss this all the time on the podcast, I'm really into sort of the psychological elements and, and yeah. the angles. And you're right, that may be, that may be the case. You, you know, you know yeah. because it, I think I said to you after the, the Southampton game, um, you know, we was, I'm sure we was all gutted. I mean, we'd have been more gutted if Dyer hadn't saved Sanchez right in the game. I think I would yeah. have been sick. I think losing uh, the, two the ones. other way round. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, but uh, with ten men, you know, yeah. I, I would have just honestly, oh, yeah, that, that I, I that my been stomach absolute, sickness. Yeah. You know, but I think I said after the game that you always get weird results this time of year, and you as do. we we are seeing weird results, you get these. This is the time of year where you get the weird ones, and um, yeah, it's really shocking ones. Like I mean, yeah. like I say. As much as I can't stand the guy, seeing Mo Salah miss a penalty is a really weird, rare thing. It's like it seeing is, is a weird, a rare thing. Um, but it is, it's also funny. Oh, I enjoyed it. Don't him. get me wrong. Yeah, I enjoyed yeah, it. Well, I enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, Crystal Palace. Then um, we obviously played Palace earlier in the season under the Nunu, uh, also known as Nuno Espirito Santo. My daughter calls him the Nunu, which apparently is a, th- a throwback to some kids' TV show she liked. But, um, I, I was going to say it sounds like something you'd call something you'd like a child's private part. <laughs> whoa, there, whoa there, hello. That's what my mind goes. Uh, no, to. it was from a show called In the Night Garden. I think um, the Nunu and the Ninky Nonk, all these things are like flooding back to me right now. I'll tell you one thing about that show, right? And I know this. I'm going on a tangent again. There was a character called Maka Paka. Oh, right? Maka Paka, yeah. Maka Paka. And it was my daughter's favourite. And it was like, when she was tiny, she'd say it all the time. To entertain myself whilst watching this show, every time they said Maka Paka in my head, I went, motherfucker. <laughs> so, oh, Maka Paka! And I'd be giggling, laughing. And she used to think I loved this show as much as she did. And basically, that was what I was doing. Because any time someone would turn around and say Macapaca in the show, that would be what I was picturing. So there you go. That's do, you know, a, do you know, Sam? I an actually, insight into my messed up mind. I, I took I took Seb to the live show of In the Night Garden. That's how much a, a, a dedicated wow. parent I was. Oh, I am. <laughs> wow, that's impressive. It was uh, yeah. shocking, mate. Absolutely my, shocking. Um, I, know, I know my sisters, when they were little, went to watch Bananas in Pyjamas live. <laughs> Yeah, that was dark. I don't, know, I don't know quite how my dad survived that. I, I know for about a week he was like, bananas in pajamas. Yes, I was like, you're right. He's like, no, <laughs> it is in my brain. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, we digress. Yeah. So Crystal Palace, we played them with uh, Nuno Espirito Santo as manager. Um, we'd been on a great run at that point. We'd won every game, not conceded a goal. And we got absolutely thumped 3-0. We had a player sent off. Football's kind of beautiful mirror is that we've now got Antonio Conte in charge. We beat them 3-0 and they had a player sent off. Yeah. 
I wonder what odds you'd have gotten, right, mm. at the start of the season if you'd said to a bookie, okay, um, Crystal Palace will win the game at Selhurst Park 3-0 and Tottenham will have a player sent off and they would be the exact reverse at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. 3-0 Spurs and a player sent off. I mean, the odds of that must be astronomical. Yeah, you would have got some good odds on that. Yeah. The, the power of I mean, hindsight, unfortunately. Mad. Well, yeah, I mean, that's just not a bet anyone would even think to make, is it? I mean, I mean, next season we definitely will, but... Oh, it's a bit late then. <laughs> but it just, what, it's my my brother-in-law was saying that one of his mates has put a bet on um, Man City uh, to win six league games by five or more clear goals, and I think that's... they're on. I think they're on four at the moment, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, that's. And he's going to win a few hundred quid. Yeah. He thought he could was... do it with Leicester, but that they got a few goals back. Didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was great. Yeah, <laughs> Leicester. That was bizarre because we were that game was like going on, and I was watching. On I think it was BT or Sky Sports, but they kept doing the updates on it, going like, "Oh, it's now four 0 oh, It was four one. Uh, the comeback's on. Yeah. Ha ha ha. Four two, four three. <laughs> I was yeah, like, yeah. "What?" Yeah. And then it went five three, six three. Yeah, <laughs> but, they turned the gears yeah. up to, to third. Yeah, yeah, Man City suddenly uh, went. Oh, all right. Then. Mm. You're going to start taking it. Start playing again. We will too. Yeah, that's bizarre. <laughs> and then Leicester went off and and did well the very next game. But yeah, it's a this is a strange old time like you said but yeah we beat Palace 3-0 um I mean I, I was delighted to be honest with you I uh the Crystal Palace defeat stuck with me like a real kind of aggravating thorn that had been there for a little while so it was nice to exercise that demon a little uh goal scorers Kane Lucas and Son who basically when you're attacking three all get on the score sheet I think something's going well uh Lucas, I thought, was absolutely phenomenal in that game. What about yourself? Yeah, he was. He's a great all-round game. But I I think the highlight, although Kane's finish was fantastic for the first goal, uh, Lucas's goal, it just epitomised, I think, where Conte is trying to get us to. Yeah, driving in there. The the smallest dude on the pitch. And if you look at that still of when he actually connects with his head, I think he's at least his own body. I think he's about his own... Body, he's only height above himself. He could have stood on his yeah. own shoulders, couldn't he? That's how high he managed yeah, to get. He was, he was yeah. He, and the thing I liked about it is the guy's always had a good leap, but his desire to get there and make that his, I think, like you said, really shows where the squad is. Really shows what they're driving towards. Um, and the fact that we scored those goals real quick fire. You know, it was like real. We scored the one, and we didn't just do that aggravating Tottenham thing of yay 1-0 here we go <laughs> we, we, we went straight at them and then it was 2-0 being a Tottenham fan of course even 2-0 up I'm a little bit like oh come on guys make it 7 <laughs> make it 7 just to make yeah. me relax yeah, yeah. <laughs> just just to, just to let me have a little bit of time off and I think I'd um I think I was chatting to Stefan by message I was like oh I hate this kind of scenario where we're 2-0 up we're, we're controlling the ball which we don't do a massive lot, and I was like, I, I hate it. I think it's this inbuilt Tottenham thing of like, I'm just expecting Palace to now score out of nowhere, and then all of a sudden, all the momentum shifted. And as I was saying that, we got a third. Mm, <laughs> I was like, yeah. yes, yeah, <laughs> thank you, Lord. So that's just what I was after. Uh, so yeah, and I mean, I don't think I'm alone in that. I, I think if you've been a Tottenham fan for a considerable time, like I have. You have this inbuilt kind of self-destruct awareness of like, please don't do it to me again. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree. What did you make of uh, Zaha's sending off, by the way, Sam? 
Uh, well, yeah, I'm not quite sure where the debate is on this, but I did I did see quite a lot of debate over it. He got booked twice, and both of them for mere bookings. The one thing I would say in his not his defence, but the one thing I would say is the first booking. A lot of referees in the Premier League wouldn't have booked him for that, but he has been booked. So, do you then put your hands up to another player's face? You don't. Um, I would also add that he was the one who very much got Tanganga sent off in the previous game. And I'm not saying that Davinson Sanchez made sure that he got sent off this time. But if you watch the replay of it, he does smile at him and basically give him a little wave as he leaves the pitch. (laughs) It was a bit reminiscent, wasn't it, of the time when... um... Our, our, our man Lamella uh, got yeah, Marcel against yeah, United. I mean, and uh, I mean Lamella just got up and smiled. I mean Davinson Sanchez did him there. I mean he literally. I mean Sanchez went to the ground like he'd been punched. Yeah. Um, and Sanchez is a big guy yeah. who who genuinely didn't need to do that, but he made sure he got sent off. Um, was it Jose said you have to be intelligent? Yeah. Um, the dark arts. The dark yeah, arts. Yeah, and. <laughs> It's one of those things, isn't it, where if it happens against you, like, you bastard. Yeah. But when yeah. it's you. And Zah has a guy that is a bit, I don't know, he gets fired up against us. Um, Probably because he, he, you know, still feels he should have joined us those years ago. And I still feel he should have as well. Um, Whenever I look at Zaha as well, I always think the way he looks with his eyes, like, mm. if, if he was to take cocaine... I think his eyes would pop out of his head because he looks oh like he's God. he's done a couple of lines already, doesn't he? Yeah. He's right, got right. that. We're, we're 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 making insinuations here. <laughs> but he's got that huge stare, hasn't he? Like you know, he's just yeah. like thinking, "Well, wow, that's one scary dude," you know. But yeah. he, it's the intensity of him. He's got such an intense way, and and I think that with him, it's a fine line, isn't it? Um, it, it and that's probably why he's been so successful, probably with Palace, because he kind of lives on that kind of intense edge, you know, and he can do things, he but does, other times yeah. it can kind of get him sent I off. Mean, yeah, I mean, uh, there is a certain... I, I think, whether it's right or wrong, there is a, a certain aspect of when you're playing for one of the bigger clubs, you know, the, the microscope is on you, so to speak. Um, and, and perhaps you can get away with certain things a little bit more. I did see a lot of stuff written up afterwards, like, you know, and it's because of crap like this is the reason why you're still at Palace. Um, you know, it's a little bit disrespectful to Palace stuff like that, which I, I don't like. He's a great player. He's a great player. As a he, he is. Um, but yeah, to me, it's not a debate. He was on a yellow card, and if you're going to be stupid enough to give the referee an opportunity to then send you off, then it's a red card. Yeah, yeah. You can't argue, can you? No, I mean, I can't remember. I think they actually went to a referee for his opinion. He basically said, like, you don't give. You know, if you're on a yellow card, you don't do stuff like that because, you know, you're you're being stupid. You've only got yourself to blame. Yeah. And and yeah, I I'd agree with that. I think I think that's true. I think he did only have himself to blame. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things that obviously uh from that game, which which I did enjoy, other than obviously the three goals, I enjoyed quite a lot. Um, is I felt I thought we looked quite solid. I know we were up against ten men for a lot of it, but it was Hugh Gallarice's birthday. Um, a clean sheet for his birthday, always very kind. Um, but I thought we looked good um, defensively. Uh, Tanganga played on the left side of the three centre backs. Um, what I'm liking is that I'm seeing it that 
He's not making wholesale changes to the side on a regular basis, but he is changing one or two. So we constantly have consistency in the team, and one or two players are able to slot in and slot out, so so we are resting people. And when that happens, I'm not seeing a big drop-off. You know, like we, in the past, we've almost been really terrified of like oh no so and so's missing oh no you know oh great so and so's coming in oh no it's going to be a real massive drop and even if i've looked at the team sheet for oh no i'm a little bit nervous about that i i've i've i felt it's been quite seamless so far what about you yeah it has and he's made a point hasn't he of saying that he's conscious of not wanting to lose the, the sort of the team identity if you like yeah uh and 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 i think probably part of that comes from um I think our, our kind of adventures in the, in Europe this year, and he he probably saw that a little bit. You know, when you do make wholesale changes, yeah. You know, we lost that game in Europe under under his management, didn't we? And uh, it kind yeah. of ultimately, I know there was the the, the the kind of the thing with the last game, but mm. it cost us. I mean, if we had a, if we'd have won that game, was it more? We it wouldn't have mattered, wouldn't it? With the the, the last yeah, game, no, if it had been no, called it was, off it or not. Was done, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, He's obviously conscious of not making too many changes, but at the same time, and I know obviously I alluded to, alluded to earlier about the fact that we've got fixtures coming at us, you know, literally every 48 hours sometimes, you know. Yeah. So, but you're right. I I feel like uh, Tanganga, you know, when he plays his system with those three centre backs, we've got mm. we've got quite a few that fit comfortably, and obviously Dyer seems to be the main man that, that stays there yeah, in the middle of the three. Yeah, comfortable. But also, but, don't you think that Sanchez looks? so much better in a three yeah he does he looks really more he, he, I think part part of it is because I think with Sanchez he's, he's more of a he's more of a football player isn't he uh, Sanchez yeah, yeah. you know he's not he's not an old school centre back he's one of he's like, he's like a football playing centre back you know mm. and, I, and I think to be to be fair I know Dyer gets a lot of slack but Dyer can play a good ball you know yeah he, he, re- he really can and I'd, I'd, I um, I'd had this conversation a few times with people and I know I've had it with Dan on, on this as well Dyer will misplace a pass which costs us on a regular basis he will but the thing that I've noticed more and more and, and I will give credit that other people have pointed this out and then I've looked at it myself is one of the issues is he's always looking to play the ball and he's clearly been instructed to do that like when you get on the ball look for a forward pass easiest thing Dyer can do sometimes is just lump it just lump it forward and if we lose the ball in their half you know that's not on him he's a defender but he doesn't he looks to try and pass the ball so we we retain possession and that's clearly something he wants to do clearly something he's instructed to do our midfielders have got to work harder to to be available to him and the thing i tell you is when winks is on the pitch you'll notice that Dyer passes it to winks more than anybody else because Winksy will work hard to find space to receive the ball. Yeah. There was a goal we conceded recently, and everybody blamed Dyer because he gave the ball away with the pass. The reality is, the two players, Hoybier and Skipper, on the pitch were arguing with each other and looking at each other when Dyer was on the ball. That should never happen. Mm-hmm. These two should be working every angle possible to create space that either they're being marked so Dyer can bring the ball forward himself which we've seen him do a lot of times when that happens or they find space so he can pass the ball to them and then we can take the ball forward it, it, you know it's not always on the person making the pass if, if the pass gets I mean sometimes it is obviously but it's not always and I do think people need to look at that because we do see a lot of criticism hammered at him for that whereas everything else he's good in the air 
he's good defensively blocking, he puts his body on the line, all the defensive aspect of it is good, people are critical over what they deem as that, you know, that kind of part of his game. And I personally think that we need to look at more to than just him. Look, look at what the situation is. Sometimes, of course, it's going to be his error. Like, every player makes errors with passes. But a lot of the time, and I've really noticed it since I had it pointed out to me, uh, players need to work harder for him ahead of him. You know, you can't just stand there. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, But I, I think he's... It, look, that was his... It was a Southampton game. I think it was his 300th game. You don't, <clears throat> yeah. you don't play 300 games uh, for a Premier League team, you no. know, without being a, a very good player. You know, and, no, and I know no, he's, he's, he's gone through. I think he's what I can remember when Mourinho first took over, and I think he was just recover. He just recovered from a, a, a quite a serious. It was a stomach injury he had, wasn't it? He had like a yeah, hurt. yeah. He well, was he up. Had a... He had appendicitis. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, he was he was very poorly. And I can remember I can remember being at a game, um, and he he just I think I think I might have said it at the time. I think Mourinho was because Mourinho liked him. I don't know if it was the yeah. Portuguese connection or or whatever, but he was he was almost like he was trying to play him back, and mm. he looked so out of shape and out of sorts. It was it, it was a bit sort of embarrassing at times. You know, you yeah. could see that he, he was he looked lost almost. You know. Yeah. But he's 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 been played back and he's and and also as well he's now, you know we forget that he played he played a lot of uh, games with us in midfield as a central mid, uh, defensive midfielder. He did, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. and he's always said I'm a def- I'm a centre back I'm a centre back you know. So now he's playing where he wants to play, and now you've got Conte in charge who, like as we all know, uh, you know micromanages players and improves players. Then yeah. this this will be this will be the, this will be the best. I think you know, as long as Conte's at the club for for a fair while, this will be his his uh, best period of uh, time at Spurs. I think. Yeah. I think this will this will be his highlight when he looks back. These 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 coming these few years that are coming up. Yeah, I think you could be right. Yeah. Um, but moving on from the Southampton game. Uh, sorry, moving on from the Palace game to the Southampton game. Um, we drew the game one all. Uh, I think it's important that everyone remembers that, that we took a point away from Southampton, who have lost one home game in I don't know how long. Well, this season they've only lost one home game. It's mental, isn't and, it, for a team that's like mid to mid table, isn't it? That's mental. Yeah, well, I, I think they there, there are some some places that are difficult to go, and I think their place is a difficult place to go they, they make it difficult, the atmosphere is good I always say Palace on a weeknight is a nightmare place yes, to go yes, yes um, because of the atmosphere it creates and everything um, and I think Southampton generally is a difficult place to go because the top sides have gone there to see and they've not taken away three points Yeah. Um, and we've gone there and we've not taken away three points so you've got to respect them and I, I think I it's something I don't like, but you see it a lot. Like, oh, we should be beating them. I hate that. It's like, no, you you don't have any innate right at all to roll up and just destroy a team. Southampton started the game brilliantly and rightly went 1-0 up. One of the things, I mean, watching it on uh, Amazon, it, it aggravates me, is when a commentary team seem to want to imply that you know, because all they all they kept talking about was, oh, Southampton and Great Tottenham have been crap. And I'm like, that doesn't always have to be the case. Tottenham can be just not being allowed to play because Southampton have been that good for 10, 15 minutes. And once that phase was over, if you like, once Southampton have almost run themselves out a little bit and went 1-0 up, 
all of a sudden we came into the game and dominated the game. I, so yeah, I, I wonder Sam sometimes, and I know Hoddle's got a connection with Southampton. Uh, yeah, but but yeah. really he's a Spurs man, isn't he? He's a Spurs man through he and is. through. Yeah, yeah. And it's almost like he's got he's got a, a case of the old uh, genesitis, you know, where yeah. he's trying to overly compensate for not wanting to sound biased towards Spurs because he was saying things, and I I was saying to Seb, but and I know it's that kind of I'm sure. I'm sure every fan of every club turns mm. to their kids and go, look, look at the commentator. He's always, a, uh, he's always slagging the stuff all the time. <laughs> but I, yeah. I just, I don't know. I just feel it all the time. It's like the, 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 the sending off bizarre. and like, here we go. And sending off talking about the odds of the crystal palace, three, three games, yeah. three sending offs from, from the opposing yeah. team. But yeah. that was it. Dermot, Dermot Gallagher that come on. Yeah. And he said that shouldn't have been a red card. The first one was handball or something, you know? And it's like, yeah, it's they're just, just it's, it's, Constantly, you know, they've been lucky. They're lucky to have got that that, that penalty, that sending yeah, off. And... Again, I mean, it's a situation where the player was booked. Now, was the first booking justified? It's like the same debate as the Zaha thing. He was booked. So, if you're carrying a booking and then you go and make that challenge in the box, you're getting sent off. Yeah, it was such I, a clumsy I, tackle, wasn't it? Well, it, it's, it's what it. I mean, it was a penalty. Yeah. No one, no one disputes that. Southampton manager, nobody disputes it. His only dispute was, oh, you know, it was a booking, and should he have had the first booking? It is the thing. He was on a booking. So if you go and do that, then regardless of whether you thought it was right or wrong, you know that you have been booked. So if you go and do something else that's going to get you a booking, you're you're walking. So like yeah. the Zaha thing, it's, it's, you've made that mistake. That is on you. That is not whether you're right or wrong with the first booking, you've then gone and got yourself booked a second time. And, um, and ironically so, yeah. as well, Sam, ironically, it probably was that way of thinking for us. Uh, which is why he he took off uh, Reggie for um, yeah, Doherty, exactly. which is probably I mean, part of the reason why we didn't win the game. Because I think I I personally think I know hindsight is a fantastic thing, but I think yeah. if if Reggie had still been on that pitch, hadn't got that yellow mm-hmm. card in the first half, I think we would have won that game. Um, I think he'd have scored the chance that Doherty missed mm. um, because he has a left foot, whereas Doherty went with it was right. <clears throat> but um, yeah, it's it's hindsight's you know whatever. But I mean, I I at half time was very much calling for him to be taken off because referees like to level things up. Yeah. And the crowd were on Regulon's back. He'd made a couple of challenges which were badly timed, and the referee clearly noted him, booked him. So referee in his mind, if he'd gone in on anyone else, was going to send him off. I was delighted when he subbed him, yes, because me I was too. like, yeah. great, you know, you know, he, he spotted it as well, yeah. you know. And <clears throat> the thing is, with a sub like like, you know what, kid, that referee's got it in for you. Sit down, I ain't going to send you back out there. The player himself's going to be thinking, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> you know, mm. you're not going to be too bothered about being subbed in that. I think the thing that surprised me the most is, is he made the change and brought Doherty on. Um, for me, you could have moved Davies out there and let Davies maraud a bit, naturally left-footed, um, and and brought on Roden or someone to sit in the centre three. I think he's obviously trying to get the best out of the players he's got. Doherty is definitely a wing back. Uh, he is an aerial presence, uh, which he tried to establish. Um, I, I'm still not seeing it happening for him in a Tottenham shirt. I'm really not. Um, yeah, and also, he brought on, brought on Brian Gill, um, who 
was on the right hand side and was doing great but it was like you had a right footer on the left with the left wing back and you had a left footer right wing mm. it, it was it was it was it was kind of like almost just swap them for a bit you know yeah sure <laughs> you were completely dominating because southampton have just basically we're in the last 10 minutes southampton have gone right come on we're down to 10 men it will hopefully get a mad counter attack or something but we're basically going to sit behind the ball um, now we can be hypercritical and stuff like that. And we can go on and on about the fact we didn't win the game when against ten men we possibly should. But to me, I, I'm still kind of delighted to see the sheer amount of opportunities we were creating, because it was ten men behind the ball, but we were opening them up. We were creating chances. Unfortunately, they were falling to the wrong people. If that makes sense. Yeah. You know, Doherty went through twice. I think really. And and I was hoping for a better result than what we got. Um, a, a few times, um, like on a different day that goes in, or a different day, you know, we're, we're up. Obviously, the big one is the goal that was ruled out for offside, um, which kind of brings us to a to a VAR debate again. Um, I'd, I'd love to know what your thoughts are on this because I I, I watched it live, and now watching it live, I thought he was off. And then when they showed the replay, I was like, oh, no, that guy's playing him on. Yes, yeah, you know, so I thought, I was, yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, brilliant. So I think I put in our chat, I was like, oh, I think he's offside. And then when I, when they showed it, I was like, oh, no, brilliant, he isn't. Well done, Harry. You know, you timed your run there. Um, but then they, they drew their little lines, and it would appear that four or five of his hairs of his head were offside. <clears throat> um, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I'm, I'm kind of like... Technology is supposed to make it very black and white, but I'm I'm still I'm still not sure how you can give that offside, especially when you watch the games the following day, and you see another one which is looks even looked offside to the naked eye, looks very offside, but the lines are drawn in a different place, and you're like, hang on a minute. <laughs> this doesn't make sense. <laughs> See, this is the thing as well, uh, Sam, that I, I've never not mentioned before, but it occurred to me uh, with with that one, is that mm. it, it it was probably like you say, a couple of hairs on his head. I mean, it was that that much, wasn't it? It was ridiculous. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, so it wasn't a lot when they when they freeze frame it, mm. is it from the exact moment? the lever from the footballer's foot foot yeah, boot exactly. touches the football i mean if well, we if we're going to go that extreme this, that's extreme this is, no no you're you're actually yeah it's a great point because the letter of the law is you know from the moment the pass is played well does that mean the minute his boots touched it does that mean the minute you've seen him does the ball have to be clearly away from his foot? You know, is there got to be space? The reality is no. What they're doing is they're freeze framing it at various points that they thinks that you know because they're not going to that degree because they're trying to turn the decisions around quickly. By the way, I'm glad they're trying to turn them around quickly. I don't want to wait ten minutes for for a, an offside decision. Nobody does. But at the same time, you have to surely create a grey area. A kind of like, when it is this close, like there's, you know when they put that line across the screen, I'd almost like them to triple the thickness of that line and go, right, this is the grey area. Which basically means, if you're within that grey area, it's a goal. Yeah. Because what we're saying is, with all the technology and everything that we have here, that is too close 
for us to be making these judgments because at the moment it's going the other way and I always remember as a kid with linesmen and people like that were assistant referees it was always well the advantage goes to the attacking team if I'm not sure if I'm like it's that close then I keep my flag down because Mm. the advantage should go to the attacking team and as a spectacle for fans as a spectacle for people watching in the stadium watching in the in the stands you want goals yeah, you don't want the uh, i mean don't get me wrong if it happens and it's you you celebrate like a loon like yes well, we got away with that one but this is that's for me that would that for me would create a kind of um a great you know like in cricket with the technology you've got umpires call and don't get me wrong i know it still creates a debate but for me you just do a line and you make the line thicker and you say this is the the thickness of what we call you know we cannot possibly call that accurately in that space so as long as they look onside into that then we're going to give it as a goal yeah that's the thing we, yeah like you say with cricket um they, they call they, there's that there's that uh, ruling sometimes isn't there where the umpire's giving it out or giving it not yeah. out and the ball strikes the wickets but because the the the, the ball under the seam has struck the wicket so you're looking at only half the ball has struck the wicket it's given as umpire's call so if technically the letter of the law that that should be given out because the ball struck the wicket but because yeah. it's it's that great that that thick gray area line you're saying they give it as umpire's call don't they they say look yeah. it, it's yeah. it's it, it struck the wickets but it was yeah. that close that we're going to give it umpire's call and that's what they should do like you say that it makes sense to yeah. do that with football uh, and don't get me wrong I know like you say we're pissed off because Kane um, you know just had a goal and if it was the other way around we'd be going oh thank god that grey area isn't there but yeah. I think in general they've, they've got to do something because it like, like I've just said it's it, if, if you're going to Go into the minutia of of someone's arm hairs making you offside. Oh, then yeah. go into the minutia of of when the ball's played. You know, yeah, and, and that that's, and that's not happening, is it? No, no. And I think that's. I think what I don't understand is is why why that isn't being discussed or why that isn't a kind of. Uh, a bigger thing about the technology technology is in football now you're not going to get rid of it so what you want to try and do is get it to the point where it's helpful and not not just continuing the debate or because because the var was supposed to end this it was supposed to be like oh well he was offside clearly and there have been plenty of times that to the naked eye i thought something was a goal and then the var I'm like oh wow, wow no, well off here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah whoa not a, yeah. not even close yeah. this one yeah, yeah. Um, and and that's fine, and that's what it's there for, and I'm and I'm all for that. I'm I'm all for that being used because whether that goes against you sometimes, it will balance out. You know, there are times. I mean, the Man City things spring to mind straight away. Yeah, Man City in the Champions League. I mean, that to this day is still bananas to me that that got ruled out. Yeah, I'm still yeah. over the moon about it, yeah, but it course. did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but without VAR, we lose that night. And then replays would show that perhaps we shouldn't have. And imagine how bitter and horrible we'd be feeling about that. Similar to how we feel about a certain handball in the final, given a bloody penalty. But oh. never Do you know, I was, going to ask, I was going to ask you as well, what did you make of the um, the goal that was ruled out by Doherty when uh, their keeper, Fraser uh, Forster, uh, uh, they said it was yeah. a foul on him? Do you, I, I think that, I know keep, keepers are um, protected, protected yeah. But, I mean... And again, it's my bias. No, I appreciate that. But he, if he'd have gone down, no, he didn't even go down, same. did he? 
to be honest with you, mate, it's a goalkeeping error and it's an own goal. Yeah. And he has absolutely got away with it. Mm. And I think everybody who watched the replay thinks he absolutely got away with it. The, the thing with, with Doherty, and I think the replay... See, this is the thing that frustrates me again about VAR. See, the referee in real time... And don't get me wrong, I don't want to be critical because it happens fast. All he sees is Doherty go running in, the ball becoming loose and going into the net. His assumption, because it has to be an assumption there, is that physical contact has been made with the keeper. Therefore, like we've said, keepers are protected species and therefore it's, it's a free kick. The VAR, though, have then watched the replay, which shows that Doherty's eyes on the ball, on the ball, and he jumps, and the keeper jumps across him. So it's not a case of him going into the keeper. The keeper goes into him. He doesn't touch his arms. The keeper simply drops the ball into his net. So why doesn't VAR go to the referee then? Oh, no, wait, stop, go look at this. Have a look at this, yeah. Yeah. Because they keep going on the base, a clear and obvious error. I'm sorry... But that is a clear and obvious error. But also, clear and obvious error is a bullshit excuse. It just really is, just to allow referees to make errors. Mm. Because it's ridiculous. I, I don't... I, I, I think Anthony Conte's post-match was just perfect. You know, because they were trying to drive home this kind of controversy. Like, oh, you know, perhaps you should have had... Perhaps you should have won that game 3-1, da 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 and he just said, no, 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 the officials are doing their best. I mean, and that was it. I mean, we're, he just killed that whole thing for them. You know, they were trying to spark some controversy, get some headlines. And he's like, no, no. And and he's right, because I don't think, <laughs> despite on some games me questioning it, <laughs> but um, I, I don't think there's any officials out there who are corrupt, deliberately trying to get things wrong. Mm. And it's just... It just frustrates me because the the third match official, the guy watching it, fourth match official, sorry, the guy watching it on that replay, will know that that should be a goal. He will know that that well, no, that it's an own goal. So why can't he tell the referee that? Because of this clear and obvious thing, they don't want to overrule each other. They don't want to go, oh mate, no, that's an error there. Come back. Because then they're like, the next game he's officiating, he's going to turn around and go, yeah, well, you made a mistake there as well. You're crap, you are. Yeah, do you know, do you know what? It, it, it's probably a case of, like you say, not wanting to undermine... Um, no, uh, do, 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 do you know? Ref. Yeah, a good example for me I can think of, of, of myself is like, so at, I'm, at the moment I'm, um, I work at, in London at a train station and uh, yeah. I'm, I've not been in like management or team leader role before and I've, so I've got the, been doing this job for the year and I've been trying to um, sort of learn as I go along and there was a time when um, someone one of my staff members was uh, uh, basically arguing with a passenger and about to penalty fare them because they didn't have a ticket so I've, I've come along I've walked in and tried to alleviate the situation and what 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 I thought because the the, the, the the passenger was like I want their name I want their name and in my mind I was thinking probably the best thing to do would be to calm it down. So look, you haven't got a ticket, but uh, let's get you through and go and buy you one. Even though they were in the wrong, I was thinking I want to protect my staff member and not have a complaint against them. But my my staff member didn't talk to me for about two or three days, and I couldn't understand <laughs> why because I was yeah. I thought I was trying to protect them, but then it yeah. occurred to me that I'd undermined them. They they were dealing with something. They'd made yeah. a decision. I come along and just completely undermine them and 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 just do something completely different. And and, yeah. I, and and 
now I see that, I understand it. And I think it's probably quite similar with referees where, look, you're the guy on the pitch making the decisions. If I come along and say you're wrong, I've undermined yeah. you. You know, and 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 whereas my situation happened with no one else watching, this situation will happen with millions of people watching you. Exactly. So, yeah. and I th- yeah, I think it's right. It's it's human nature as well. And but the referees are such a, um, they're attacked constantly. You know, whether you could referee referee a game perfectly, absolutely perfect, the opposition fans to the team that the team that lost will hate you. Yeah, <laughs> because course, yeah. they've lost. So referees are attacked, vitriolically attacked. So they're bound to want to defend each other. They're bound to see themselves as like a club and it's us against the world. We need to look after each other. I don't know how you I don't know how you deal with that. I don't know how that gets changed. You're almost like you want to create a kind of specialist um, fourth official group that are separate. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like these are specialist referees and they are T V refs. Yes. And literally all they do is talk to... The, I, I know you'll create a kind of us-and-them scenario then, but at least if you did that, you won't have this protecting each other stuff. Yeah. You, will, you will at least have the, the them saying, on-field ref, sir, you need to review this on the monitor. And, yeah. and they won't feel like... Hopefully, they won't feel like they're being attacked. They'll feel like they're being helped. And, that, and that's the thing. It, it's a human nature thing. I'd like to think that if I was in that situation and I'd missed it, I'd I'd like the fact that someone said, "Oh no, you need to look at this actually a different angle." And a lot of it's got to be how it's presented, even, isn't it? You know, if if uh, <laughs> I imagine some of them are abrasive bar stewards coming in over the earpiece, you you've ballsed up, then you need to look yeah, at it. Sure. You're immediately gonna feel like what yeah, yeah but if someone comes on and goes i think you need to look at a different angle to that because i've just watched four replays <laughs> yeah and, that's, that's the... and you and you're not going to feel like you've made a mistake then you're going to feel like oh well i obviously couldn't see it that makes that makes sense sam to have the people like you say not not as referees or as officials just as people you almost just call themselves like like a monitor operate operatives yeah, yeah so yeah, they're just they're sure. people just looking at it and they're looking at it coldly and thinking yeah. That possibly you look at it and, and yeah. like you say they're not they're not going to go over the the radio and say um change your decision it's like no. probably you might just want to have a look at this yeah now it's on See, camera in slow in i'm always i'm always a big believer that all sports should learn from other sports the thing about um the the technology this technology has been used in rugby for quite a long time at the moment there's this weird thing going on with it but that's you know, a side note but what they have always done in rugby is you should take a look at this. Yeah. You know, or or you should look at this. And so what they do in rugby now is they stick it up on the big screen. I don't think that that would work in football. And I don't think it's a good idea in football. Fans in rugby are typically hammered drunk and don't really care what's going on by this point. <laughs> football fans, if they watch a replay of something 10 to 15 times while the referee tries to make his mind up, might burn the stadium down. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I don't think that would work. But going across to a monitor... Because, you know, stopping the game and going, right, I've, I've been asked to review this. The, the question is, how many times in a game would you tolerate that happening? Um, and, you know, is it key decisions? You know, because there are stuff that happens in a game that the VAR just won't touch. And I often think to myself, well, why? You know, you've just seen a player get taken out off the ball. And I, I saw one the other day, actually. The fourth official notified the ref. 
So the fourth official's on the touchline. He's watched something happen off the ball. The referee's not there. So he's got straight on the, the microphone to him and said, hey, you know, this has happened. And he's given it. And he's literally given it, saying, no, the fourth official's given it. And the referee's going, sorry, the, the coach for the opposition team's going mental at this fourth official. And he's like, no, go away. I saw it with my own eyes. I'm yeah. not going to ignore it. That's what they're there for to an extent, exactly. aren't they? Exactly. Yeah. I'd like that more. I'd like that more. I mean, the fourth official basically seems to be like a glorified cheerleader holding up. You know, like the woman that walks out in boxing hold up how many rounds it is in a bikini? Starting to feel like the fourth official is basically that guy holding up the board for how many minutes are in the added time. It's ridiculous. And to get abuse from managers when the things aren't yeah. going their way. Yeah, like, <laughs> please, please stand back in your technical area. I mean, you're a qualified Premier League level referee. Is that really what you should be doing? Yeah, you're right. No, no, please stand back in the little painted box. Yes, I understand you're unhappy about that decision, however... There's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, Go sure, sure. Go and get sure. back in your box. I mean, it's um, just, what is that about? Mm. Uh, but anyway, that's a bit of a sidebar, I know. <laughs> so we've talked about VAR. That's always a that's always a hot-button topic that everybody enjoys talking about. Um, I think we all end the podcast this week because this is the final show of 2021. I'm talking about... What comes next? I thought you say the... quiz then, Sam. Sorry. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. We did that for the Christmas special. I'm not doing that again. Um, we got the January transfer window. Um, I, I am in absolute two minds over the January transfer window, and I'll tell you. And let me explain to you where my brain is, and then you can tell me if you think, which way you think we're going to go. Okay. So. Anthony Conte, Antonio Conte is in charge. We have released via various financial statements and stuff like that, and various uh, quite detailed press articles have shown Tottenham are in a very, very strong financial position. Yes, the stadium has debt, but with the stadium open and running and going to be doing events, it is more, <laughs> more than covering that. That that's. You know, the, the events the stadium has booked pays the stadium debt. So the club can operate purely from what the club generates on match days will cover, you know, will go to the football side, which is what the plan always was. Um, so so that sort of, it, for, almost, I don't want to say forget the debt, but you can forget it in terms of footballing matters. Tottenham Hotspur PLC has a massive stadium debt. Tottenham Hotspur, the football club, if you like, is operating and is in a very very strong financial position everything therefore points to the fact especially with with the way antonio's got us actually there is a possibility a top four this season and none of us would have predicted that i don't think i don't think even the higher ups at the club could have predicted we'd get back into the champions league this year but it is possible it's right there within our grasp Everything, therefore, points towards the correct business done in January could make a massive impact on us as a club and could really, really kick us forward. So every logical part of me, every article that's written I completely agree with says that the club will back this manager and go for it. Because let's face it, the manager made it pretty clear that if he doesn't get backed, he will let everybody know know it. Mm. He's done it at previous clubs. He has been more than clear so it just everything that all makes perfect sense doesn't it yeah you see what i mean it all makes perfect sense 
We've even got the agent of a striker in Italy, Fiorentina, guy I can't pronounce, but it's a phenomenal striker, literally releasing a press statement saying the best club for his client would be Tottenham. But will Tottenham spend that money that's needed to get him? I don't know. But he would work brilliantly with Harry Kane. He'd work brilliantly learning from it. You know, literally this guy has done a come and get me plea. And he's phenomenal, this guy. You you sign him and all of a sudden we, we have to be taken very seriously. So it, it's, all out, it's all there. It all makes perfect sense. The money's there. The manager's there. The squad definitely needs improvement. Everybody knows that. So why is it, Matt, <laughs> that, and I think I know the answer to this, why is it I'm not expecting us to do anything? Yeah, I, I think a big part of it, like we've, like we've discussed, is that he's improving the players we've got, isn't he? Yeah. Like, but... he's, he's, he's improving them. And look, I, 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 I think that um, the, the mid... I, I know people get on winks and Delhi's case, don't they? They get on his yeah, case do, quite yeah. a lot, right? I still feel like so. So I, I the, the the way I'd like to see it is that I'd like to see how much it improve them come the summer. Yeah. And and if they're still at a level where they're like, look, even working under Conte for how many months it's been now for, for almost mm. the whole season, he hasn't got the best out of these players. So it's it's clearly it's clearly nothing Conte can do. Right, but I just—it's a weird one for me because I think a couple of players in the right positions would be fantastic for us in 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 January. I agree. But I don't want to—I don't want us to buy a lot. I don't want us to—not that clubs tend to buy a lot of players in January anyway. No. But I don't want us to because no, I, I, I because you look 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 yeah. at look 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 at the signings we've made in the summer. Right. Mm. I think Romero, unfortunately, he's got he's had an injury, but this yeah. guy is going to be phenomenal. I think as a centre back for us. Um, it, go, some go, good go. news on that. He's oh, recovering really well. Oh, wow. Well, um, I, I think they, they think he's about two weeks ahead of where they thought he'd be. That's fantastic. That's yeah, I think news. it's just my opinion, Sam. I appreciate this, but I think he's going to be one of the best centre backs in the Premier League. Yeah, he got um he got named. So basically, you know, like the South American football, so Brazil, Chile, Argentina, everything like that. Every year, they they name a team, a bit like FIFA do, UEFA do, of the team of the year. So they name a side of all of those nations. Basically, when you look at it on paper, it's like, wow, <laughs> what, yeah. what a team that is. Uh, he got voted best defender in the in the tournament, wow. uh, the Copa America, and he got named as star player for that for the for the eleven, the select eleven. There you go. So, so with with with, with all that <laughs> yeah. being said, and also with the quote Sonny made recently that he hates playing against him in training because how good he is, right? Even yeah. that. You can see the few games he played, he's settling into the squad, isn't he? He's settling into he the is. Premier League, yeah. he's settling in. Yeah. He's going to be a phenomenal centre-back. He's going to be a, a mainstay. He, he potentially could be the guy that's going to end up helping us win whatever we win, hopefully, under Conte. Yeah. But he needs to settle in a bit like with Gil, with Brian Gill, uh, the other signings we made. These players, they, yeah. they, they need to bed in. And when they bed in, then they become, you know, they're settled and everything with the Premier League. So yeah. I think if we was to buy... I don't know, for example, say four players, mm. they're, they're not, it's not going to instantly help us no, until the I, summer. I don't, you know, I whereas say, he's been working. See, yeah, I don't see, even if we were, because to me, I, I don't see signing that many players in January as ever a good thing because you don't have a pre-season. Do you, do you know what I mean? You yeah. don't have that time to, to, to bed in. 
Um, for me, in January, it's, it's less about quantity, more about quality. So if we signed two players in January, like for me, my dream scenario is a right wing back of real quality that will push Emerson Royale on and Doherty can go. Yeah. Um, and a striker. Because I think that although Kane has now scored three and three, you must be delighted. There's now a chance you might win that bet. <laughs> <laughs> Still think you're, you're there's reaching, a, but there's, there's a, a chance. There's a couple of hat tricks away, so don't a chance now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I just think that that guy seems to enjoy working under Conte. Yep. Seems to enjoy the direction that that is going. But he's also just done yet another interview. Like, every time I'm close to forgiving that bastard, <laughs> he, he said something else. Um, and he says now about, you know, he, his mind hasn't really changed. The club still needs to match his ambition. Da, 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 da. I, it's kind of a well-timed thing. If I'm going to be positive for a minute, he has been very complimentary about Conte. He's been very complimentary about how he feels about the team and how much his fitness has improved already, which has surprised him. So clearly he's happy with the methods and things that's going on there. The club almost need to show ambition in this window for him. Hugo Lloris from the 1st of January, so just a couple of days, can talk to clubs. He can sign a pre-contract agreement to leave. How we've allowed that to happen, I I don't know. I, I'm I don't get what this plan is. I mean, Hugo Lloris has been phenomenal for us, and he is our captain. Whether behind the scenes Hugo has said, do you know what? I'd, I'd like to go back to playing France for a couple of years or something. I I mean, we don't know. We don't know if that's the case. But it doesn't seem logical to me that the club haven't done all they can to give him a new deal. Mm. But yeah, from the 1st of January, Hugo, I mean, there's now, it's everywhere. Uh, Lille, um, two other teams in France are, I've already, I've said publicly, the minute the 1st of January, like midnight, they're going to be on the phone to his agent. So, (laughs) the guy's going to have options. And of course, once he has those options, it becomes even harder to agree a deal because he can leave for free, which means his his contract offers from these clubs are going to be a damn sight higher than what they would be if he was commanding a transfer fee. Um, I think he's been in the form of his life. Oh, absolutely! That, <laughs> he's been amazing. He completely. And, and do, do, do you know? And that's the thing. That's what. What I'm. You know, I, I know. I keep banging on about it, and people are fed up of hearing me say it. But mm. Conte is a man manager. He micromanages players, and you yeah. just you you can see the improvement. Like with 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 Lloris. I mean, do you remember there was a time, probably towards the end of Pochettino's tenure, where he was making so many bad decisions and we were talking on a podcast almost on a weekly yeah. basis about the bad decisions he was making. Yeah. It seems at the moment, every decision he makes is bang on, like Southampton. Yeah. The ball got knocked over the top and I'm like, oh, here we go. Suddenly, Luis turns out, comes out of yeah. nowhere and takes the guy on and yeah. then passes to, to Dyer, you know? Yeah. So I know. What was that about? He's yeah. so <laughs> confident. He's pulling off. He's in the form yeah. of his life. And I think yes. it is down to Conte and, and his coaches and how they they're just they're, they're just working on every single individual player. I, I think I think Larice as well was uh, a lot of people when they were getting critical of Larice, and I, I'm guilty of this as well. Same as with the Dyer thing, you have to also look at what's going on around them. Um, we had when Larice was phenomenal for us and everything like that. He had he had um, Vertonghen and Alderweireld. When they were phenomenal, they had Wanyama in front of. Do, do you sort of mean by this? It's sure. like. When Wanyama went, 
all of a sudden our central defenders didn't look as good. Yeah. And when they didn't look as good, all of a sudden Hugo was making mistakes. Yeah, <laughs> do, sure. do, do you see what I mean? It's like yeah. a real knock-on effect. And also, at that, that team, Ericsson, for, for all the kind of creative brilliance that guy brings, Ericsson also used to press from the front, and Delhi at that point as well. They would run defend like you they would press like loons at the front and Kane was at that point. So the whole team pressed as a unit, pressed and defended from the front and all of a sudden as that stopped it like cascaded going backwards like Wanyama then went then all of a sudden the Belgian duos all of a sudden looked old. I yeah, mean yeah, you sure. know all they'd done was aged a year but all of a sudden they look old and and Larice was making mistakes where now Larice looks fantastic again and I think a lot of that's down to the fact that Conte has clearly worked with the defenders, the the system on what they do. I hate set pieces against us. Like I I dread them. I, I feel like we're going to concede every time. But Southampton must have hammered us with set pieces in that game. And to be honest with you, ninety nine percent of them caused us no problems. Yeah. They did get a goal off a second ball. By the way, Ward Price still the hill I'm going to die on. I'd love for us to sign oh, him. I'd love him. I'd love him to come to Spurs. His, yeah. his set piece delivery alone would justify an inclusion in a team. But anyway, um, so yeah, I I am um, the January window for me. I don't think we need to go big in terms of we need to replace eight players. I don't think we need to do that. I know. I know. Dan, for example, on the podcast is constantly here's my list of everyone who needs to go. And I'm like, yeah, all right, I can understand why you're saying that, but I just don't think in the real world, in Football Manager and FIFA and stuff like that, yeah, you chop and change every window because it's part of the fun of the game. You're chopping and changing, wheeling and dealing. You're like Harry Redknapp, right? Hey. <laughs> uh, but when it comes down to real life, you chop and change eight players in any window and the sides all over the place because yeah. it's, it's too much. We made some big changes in the summer, um, players leaving who've been at the club a long time um, and players that like came in, like you said, and there's still a transitional period going on. Like, for example, is Brian Gill right now an upgrade on Lamella? I'd say no, no. not right now. Mm-hmm. But he is best part of a decade younger his upside is phenomenal and if we can develop that and i i'm damn sure conte can then next season this season after season after season after it is an upgrade it is definitely a way to go um and we needed to do that we needed to refresh the squad there were some players like lamella loved the guy but he'd only play so many games a season i'm i'm at that point now with lachelso Lachelso, I can see so much talent and ability in that football player, but the guy has missed fifty games in like two seasons so far through injury. And I said this jokingly in our chat, but I'm starting to feel it. It feels like we pay this guy's wages so he can train with us and then go and play for Argentina. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, it's uh, like from window from from international window to international window he seems to be out injured mm. and then he goes to their squad plays and plays really well which i think gets it even worse in my mind it's like where's that guy yeah. <laughs> why don't i see that in a tottenham shirt he just cannot seem to stay fit for us 
So let him go. Let him go back to Spain. Perhaps he needs to be in warm weather. Do you know what I mean? Perhaps that's mm. what it is. Let him go back to Spain. Let him let him go back to South America. Just sell the guy because it has not worked. Yeah, you're right. And and he, he is right now taking up wages, taking up a squad place where you want someone, uh, you know, a Ward Price, someone who is going to come in and contribute and be fit and be available. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's sort of getting into a bit of money issue. But for me, the January transfer window, if we made two signings, but they were of real quality, I would be over the moon. Yeah, like, me too. We, we signed a striker of real quality, and I'm talking about spending sixty to eighty million on a striker because that's real quality. If you spend forty million on a striker now, that's kind of par. You spend below that, and you're taking a chance. Do you see? Do you see my point? I know these are phenomenal figures, but that's you've the you've reality. Only got, you've only got to look at Vinicius. I mean, they wanted forty-five million for him. I mean, yeah. he's a decent yeah. striker, but he's not going to. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Not gonna... No, he's, yeah, he's not. That like to me, it's like what? I mean, don't get me wrong, mate. I think transfer fees are ridiculous. I, I'm just saying it as it is in this market. You spend sixty to eighty million on a striker. You are signing someone of quality, mm. and you're making a statement because you're making a statement not just to the fans, to other clubs. You're making a statement to the squad, which is we are now going to sign upgrades in positions, not players that we hope will one day be good. We are signing a guy who has proven it. You know, you sign this guy from Italy, Fiorentina, you spend that money on him, you get him. That is a guy who is outscoring everyone in Serie A for last season and so far this season. Serie A is one of the best defensive tactical leagues in the world. If you're scoring goals there, you will likely score goals in England. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And you look at him physically, every attribute, he'll need a little bit of time to settle, but he will get goals. Mm. But also, imagine the fire that I'd like under Kane. Yeah, completely. You know, because yeah. he's the sort of guy you can tell has that anger in him, and he needs that again. Like, when he burst through, he was angry that Adebayor and Soldado were ahead of him. You know, he was like an angry guy coming on, wanting to prove a point, scoring in the Europa League, constantly banging on the door. Look, I'm scoring. You, you put me on, I scored, but let me have a go in the Premier League. And he took it by storm. And since then, we've signed strikers and stuff. And although they've not done anything, I swear having them there made him better. Yeah, of course. Like Vincent Janssen never got a game, and when he did, everyone went, oh, you know, he's not, you know, he's not. All he was guilty of is he wasn't Harry Kane. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> he was a good number nine. Um, you know, Lorente came in and did a great job, but was still not, you know, banging him away for fun. Well, you're not going to when you're not starting every game. That's just not going to happen. But I swear, having those players there in the squad, being available for a manager to pick made Kane make it so he could not be dropped. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, he kind of was like, Whoa, no way. <laughs> you know, I, I am I'm the guy here. You do not come in. Like especially Lorente. Lorente arrived with like a CV to die for. Just banged away the goals at Swansea for fun in the Premier League. So Kane must have looked at that and gone like, Oh, what, you wanna rest me? You wanna rotate me? No. Are you no. Happening? <laughs> no, not happening. Had one of his best seasons and I, I know he drove himself to the point he kept going down injured and perhaps older wiser he isn't going to do that this time but I don't know there's something about me that thinks you sign a guy like that he'll come in and Kane will think right okay you're going to spend 70 odd million on a striker are you and okay. like you say it's, right. it's a statement isn't it it's a statement 
It's a statement. It's massive yeah. because it because it show everyone that like, all right, we're planning for now and we're planning for the future. Yeah. Because if Harry in the summer turns around again and goes, look, I want to go. I'm never signing a new contract. I'm I'm gone. Then we've brought a striker in and bedded him in for six months. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? We're not going to have to start someone cold. You can go, all right, Harry, this is the fee. If someone pays that, off you go. Makes perfect sense. And and he'll know that. This is such a stupid psychological thing, but I believe it's true. Is you never want to be with someone more than when you realise they don't want you yeah. anymore or they yeah. don't need you. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Harry was in this position of like, oh, you know, leaving Tottenham is going to be really difficult. You know, no one wants me to leave. If all of a sudden the attitude is, well, hang on, what, what do you mean you've got someone new? What do you mean? What do you, you know, hang on, I'm, I'm still the boy. Hang on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's such a weird thing, but I swear it's true and I swear it'd work. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, uh, Harry Kane's not listening to this, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I, I just swear that that would have an impact psychologically. I think it would. And I think showing the ambition the club and that way if the club do turn around and go Harry I know what happened last summer but you can see that with this manager with the signings we want to win stuff come on let's let's, let's do you a new deal come on kid and in that deal we'll add a clause in that you know if we've not won anything in two more years then you can leave for 50 million or something do you know what I mean yeah of course he'll be X amount of years old we got him for nothing 50 million quid for Harry Kane is a bargain for anybody and for us it's like well it's 50 million more than what we would have got if he just run his contract down yeah exactly so it's almost like let's do that he'll then sign it and all of a sudden everything atmosphere wise around the club's like buoyant and We'll then go on and win everything for a couple of years. See, so I've got it all mapped out, mate. Just need to. Can you get? Have you got Conte's number? <laughs> yeah, I'll just, I'll just drop him a drop him a quick text. Yeah. Every message I send him stops. Hey, oh no, that doesn't. Um, so there we go. January transfer window for me then is quality over quantity. Um, I'm. I look at the side and I'm like defenders. I'm okay with. I think he's doing a great job with them. Could we upgrade? Of course we could. Should we in January? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, the, the fullbacks on the left side, Sessignon, Regulon, Davis is cover. I'm happy. On the right side, I I think we need to add someone. I I think Doherty just it has not worked. Yeah. I think there'll be a few prem teams who would take him. Oh, I think yeah. I think we could sell him. I think we probably balance out as well but if we could add someone there with real quality i think it would make a massive difference because i think emerson royale as well is still settling but you're starting to see you're starting to see with conte's management him improve game on game i i think uh, he's had a few games recently where i've looked at it and i've gone oh against liverpool for example i looked at it and went oh man he had a really rough game but then I watched him the next the next game and I was like, nah, let's see, there, there it is. That you can see that he's learnt from past, you know, past things because he was up against Palace and you know Zaha was like his debut against him. What a nightmare debut for a fullback yeah, <laughs> in yeah, another yeah. country! Like, oh great, here you go. It's like <laughs> this league's version of Janino just running at you constantly. <laughs> Have fun. Yeah. Um, but he he basically, I never thought he did that badly. But everyone says he got destroyed. I'm like, I don't think he did. I I just think he you know definitely lost the battle. But I don't think he was destroyed. This game just stood up the yeah. whole time didn't commit to the ground just stood up the whole time used his pace to stay with him the whole time and closed them down constantly and just in doing that and you can tell that has been coached you can tell that someone has taken in the one side and gone don't go to ground 
if you stay on your feet constantly and just stay in front of him, he has to get past you or he has to pass backwards. He can't do it. You know, he will constantly try and beat you. And if you stay on your feet, he won't. Yeah. And he did. Mm-hmm. He, he did it the whole time. And like Saha got so frustrated, he got himself sent off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, know? he had a good game. Uh, so, anyway, but anyway, um, I think if we do that and I think if we get a striker everywhere else, you know, people can talk about a creative midfielder. Granted, yeah, if, if a, a phenomenal creative midfielder is available, great. I don't see an abundance of them in existence right now. Yeah. But we need to create using our wing-backs. You know, we need to create there. Uh, I think Regulon can do it. I think Sessegnon can do it. I think Emerson Royale can do it. Doherty cannot. Yeah. <laughs> he just, yeah, he it just yeah. doesn't appear to be there. So if we add that and we add a striker, I'm happy. I'll be a happy boy. Yeah, me too, mate. I think that's uh, wise words. But there we go. Um, so that, ladies and gentlemen, is our podcast. That is the final one of 2021, mate. I mean, that's, that's another... Basically, we're in the pandemic years, uh, 2020, 2021. The crazy years. I really years. hope, <laughs> I really hope when we record this, it, like the end of 2022 and we sit down and record it, uh, we don't have to think about it anymore. I, I know. Wouldn't that be nice, everyone? Let's flash forward to that thought of where... Having to think, oh, I'm going to go see my great auntie so-and-so. I better do a test. <laughs> I mean, when we'll, did that become part of our freaking lives? <laughs> we'll all be on about a 10th booster jab, won't we, by next, this time next year? Hey, if we're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, a big thank you to everybody for listening. I uh, hope you have a very happy and a very safe new year. This podcast keeps rolling. The games are coming thick and fast in January. We have three games against Chelsea in January. Two Jesus. in the League Cup, one in the League, one home, two away. Um, or actually, yeah, yeah, one home, two away. Um, so it's going to be crazy. If we get results in those, I'll be over the moon. Um, Plus we've got the North London yeah. derby, aren't we, as well? Oh, yeah, we got to play them barsters. Now, we mm. lost to them 3-1. If we can do what like we did with Palace and beat them 3-1 this time, I'll be very happy. Me too. Um, Hopefully, Anthony Conte is really, really focusing in on that. Because yeah, <laughs> yeah. our record in London derbies under the Nunu was appalling. Just don't worry about the other 20 games in January. Just focus on that one. Yeah, just smash the <laughs> crap out of them, please. I'd, uh, yeah, I mean, because at the moment, we, we got the games in hand. If we beat them as well, I'm going to be really oh, happy. Fantastic. <laughs> really grind them into the dirt, please. Fantastic. Uh, but anyway, a big thank you to everybody for listening again. A big thank you to all the Christmas wishes we had. I've got a few emails I've not replied to yet, so apologies, I will get to that. Um, everyone stay safe, have a happy new year, and we'll speak to you next year. Happy new year. Thank you for listening to the Spurs News Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed the show. Stay up to date with all things Tottenham. Follow us on social media. All links are in the podcast description.